chickens frantically search for their missing conspiracy, which is in her South Bronx apartment. Somebody write this. Hi, and welcome to Somebody Write This, where we use a random plot generator to give us an idea and then brainstorm how that could be a thing somebody might want to write. I'm Hannah. And I'm Jenny. And to help us with our brainstorming today, we have a guest, our very good mutual friend, Sam Stoddard. Hi. Thanks for having me here. Oh, we're so excited that you're on the podcast. We were just talking about this before we started recording, listeners, but uh, Sam is is uh, responsible in a way for the for the creation of this podcast. Yeah, sorry, uh, it is through Yeah, it is through Sam that Jenny and I first met. Uh, Sam runs a website called Rinkworks, which has a whole bunch of different entertainment related stuff. And one of the things that it had was a was a chat room where a, a bunch of uh, of nerdy people who liked nerdy entertainment stuff all kind of gathered together we've had a couple of other folks from the from there on this podcast before and we're excited to finally have sam join us yeah well i'm looking forward to it i'm nervous though so I, this is gonna go crazy i think oh yeah <laughs> it's gonna go it's gonna be amazing so one of the things that we wanted to talk about was one of the things that we did on this on this website in this chat room was we had bot games that would run through the chat and we'd be able to play uh play trivia games or party games and there grew to be a huge number of them and every so often we would schedule some time to go through and play every single bot <laughs> you know we play four one night and four the next night and ultimately come out with a champion and through one of these we ended up actually one of them actually took on a narrative storytelling focus and i thought that would be really interesting to talk with sam about so yeah sam tell us a little bit about this the this this particular ultimate bot tournament which was just games and then became a novel it's so funny because people i mean the famous question people ask writers is where do you get your ideas right and it's a (laughs) terrible question because most of them can't tell you and in a rare case where somebody can as in this case it's not going to help you this is such a (laughs) weird thing um it blindsided me so as you say yeah we'd play these bot tournaments and um they were like you know nine or ten nights right three or four Mm -hmm. hours a night or something huge and we got up to the third one and i thought i should do something a little different for this so i started improvising dialogue with these fictional hosts. Instead of me hosting, it would be these fictional characters hosting. And, and over the course of that, it would uh, I just sort of naturally added a narrative to it. But it was all improvisational, and, and these characters, uh, there grew to be a, a great number of them, um, interacted mm-hmm. with the players themselves, too, so they were kind of in the story. And it was very free-flowing, not structured. But it grew into this kidnapping plot, and there was mistaken identity <laughs> and a, all that sort of stuff. Well, it was so much fun, I wanted to do it again. <laughs> So I wanted to do it again, but I knew I couldn't because the whole fun of it was the spontaneity of it, right? So I thought, well, what can I do that would be kind of fun in the same way, but wouldn't be replaying it again and doing the same jokes and losing that improvisational quality. So I thought, well, maybe I'll do a murder mystery. So the first night of the next tournament, <laughs> we'd all vote on these pictures of random people that I scraped from the internet. Uh, and and <laughs> people just so would creepy. choose like the like the best looking ones or the weirdest looking ones or whatever and and they would the top 10 were my cast of characters and so every night uh well what would happen i'd see i'd I'd have these characters as the the people that are isolated on an island right and they start getting killed off one by one and the players each night would vote on the next one to die so when they did that 
I would have to go, I have a couple days to write the next chunk of the story that would include the death of that character, and the circumstances would be mysterious, and it would have to be its own little Agatha Christie murder mystery, right? Um, mm -hmm. But I also had to be developing the other characters and introducing story threads and conflicts and conspiracies and twists and stuff, and, and lay that foundation for stuff later on but without knowing what characters I'd have to work with later. So I didn't know who the killer was. I didn't know who the hero was because they might be killed off the next night. I right. had to leave all that I, open. It was not. I have no it idea was, how you managed any of that. Well, I kind of <laughs> didn't. I mean, I did, but I had to stop it halfway through. I said, look, uh, this it's been fun, but people, I, I'm locked in now. Um, I know what I'm going to do, but I have to stop the voting. That's the only kind of compromise I made. Right, I got right. about three or, four, three or four people, and then I had to, to stop because I was – just there was no other way to go it was so much fun and i would well the last night when all the like plot twists are revealed and the mysteries are solved and all that it, it's honestly the best time i've ever had in there it was the best day people got really into it and they're like cheering for their favorites and laughing in the right places and stuff and it was really really gratifying to write a story like that and it, i mean how often do you get to compose a narrative and get real-time feedback almost like a play right but making it up as you go so that's that's really odd but i fell in love with these characters and i had so much fun i couldn't couldn't get it out of my system when it was all over i couldn't move on so i'd realized i have to do more well what do i do now because i can't do a sequel most of the characters are dead i can't do a prequel because <laughs> I can't do a prequel because none of the characters knew each other. So maybe I could pick uh -huh. one or something, but it's not the same. Ten different prequels. Yeah, I mean, it would be weird. <laughs> it would be very weird. So almost on impulse, I started writing out the story again in prose. But it was great because mm -hmm. I could flesh the characters out and explore those things that I actually found properly compelling and get inside their heads and build up backstories. And I had some flashbacks that weren't in the, in the chat room. And um, now I consider that the definitive version of the story. So it, it, as much as fun as I had in the chat room. So, And the other thing is it got me writing again. This is my second novel, but the previous one was 17 years previously. And I had sort of just gotten out of the habit and thought, oh, it's too hard. I don't have the time whatever mm -hmm. um but i've been writing ever since so it was really good that that happened it, this is what i wanted to do you know for a long time but right. a complete fluke a total accident i absolutely love this because this is you know this podcast is in itself a weird way to come up with story ideas yep. and collaborative uh, storytelling having done this sort of this strange impromptu prep work for the novel you ended up <laughs> writing did the writing process feel different than your 17 years ago <laughs> novel because of that yeah there were there were, I guess, two very different things that happened. One is I aged by 17 years, and I was aged 17 years. <laughs> so that in by itself, you know, yeah. I mean, I was 34 when I wrote it, and the joke is that when I'm 51, is that's when I come out with my next one. <laughs> but right. uh, uh, hopefully it's not really that long. But no, the other thing that was different is I had a starting point of these random pictures, and as creepy as that sounds, because they are real people somewhere. We And I found out later one was a celebrity, and nobody knew who it was. But, oh, um, oh, really? <laughs> yeah. Wait, which one? Julie. Oh, wow. wow. Uh, no, nobody knew her. But the other nine are just random people. There was some inspiration there because I wouldn't have necessarily conjured up the specific images or things they do. Like this one with <laughs> this one that's holding an apple for no known reason. I, I just used that. I used that. It became a thing. It was a, just a joke in the chat room and actually had some significance in the novel. Um, so there was some yeah, inspiration I, there. I was so excited to be around for this story when it happened. Me too. Um, oh. And then I was just delighted when it got turned into a real story later. Mm -hmm. <laughs> That's great. Well, thank you. We were just making, you know, making cracks about, you know, Tyler with his apple. And, right. Uh, <laughs> 
So that's super fantastic. We are going to jump into the brainstorming section and flesh out this other story. Maybe it'll be your next novel, Sam. Oh, this, is hope- your, this is your novel for 51. <laughs> I, I hope not, actually. <laughs> All right, so as a reminder, our our plot was chickens frantically search for their missing conspiracy, which is in her South Bronx apartment. So her is the first question. Who's one of the chickens, I suppose, right? Before I figure that out, I need to know like how sentient (laughs) and integrated these chickens are into the world. Is this like a, is this a walking (laughs) animal story where, is this like Bojack Horseman where the chickens and the the humans live in together? Is this an all animal story like Zootopia where they all live in the South Bronx? I got two ideas. One is that, yes, they're, it's, they are real chickens in a kind of chicken world. (laughs) And if that's the case... The conspiracy. Well, what would the conspiracy be if you were if they were humans? It might be that somebody wants to turn the world into chickens. So maybe in the chicken world, somebody wants to turn them into humans, and they're they're <laughs> frantic about this, right? The other idea is that these chickens are like coward chickens. They're humans, but they're okay. scared of everything, and they're scared okay. that they they're scared of conspiracies and the fact that they lost one. <laughs> See, that, this, this is the phrase that's getting me, is a missing conspiracy. Right. Like, well, it's a conspiracy, yeah. but it got lost. Is this a, a lost memory kind of story? Are they all actual animal chickens? But the missing conspiracy that they don't really know about, just that it's missing, is that the world was all turned into chickens. <laughs> that they all used to be human, have no memory of that. And something, <laughs> and they, and so like maybe one of them, you know, maybe you have a chosen one who starts having dreams <laughs> of like, of, you know, there's, there's some, there's a conspiracy. I'm missing it. I think I used to know this. Yeah. So maybe they, um, somehow they get the idea that there's a, a villain out there and they have to chase it down. But it turns out that, oh, yeah, I just it fell out of my pocket in my closet back home. (laughs) Yes. But they have to have this whole wild ride to get there. They get to the bad guy at the end. And it turns out, oh, no, you know nothing about what's going on. We've been tracking you for all this time, going to the grocery store and everything. And you know nothing. But they keep misunderstanding little things um, that think, oh, yeah, no, he's he's up to something. Going a slightly different direction where you said, like, chickens as metaphorical chickens a whole bunch Mm -hmm. of scaredy people and a conspiracy is is sometimes you know this is this is something that might be happening and i'm afraid that it is so like what if there's this whole bunch of people that are scared of something happening but they don't remember what it is we're just scared of something (laughs) i will tell you fear is funny and scary at the same time that's yes. that's why thrillers work yeah. and why why people laugh at horror movies and everything. There's a lot of yes. potential actually there if the characters are scared because you can you yeah. can you could go two ways. You could either make it empathetic so that you're relating to their fear and you're also scared, or you could use it as a comedy and you can say, uh, you know, look how the crazy things are doing because they're scared. Or you could do both. Sometimes you can be you, you got to be really careful to to balance those tones right, but you can. If you're searching for a missing conspiracy, is the solution that you find you find the answer to like everything that's been going wrong do you find the like do you find the the thing that people have been conspiring or do you solve it like do you undo the conspiracy and i'm wondering whether the resolution of this is them whether it's a situation where everything is going slightly off and seems to have weird connections to each other but they don't know what they know there's some sort of conspiracy out there somewhere but they can't figure out Well, the the question I would ask is, is it real or is it something they piece together wrongly? 
Yeah, like it could absolutely be that their conspiracy that they find at the end in the South Bronx apartment was not a conspiracy at all. Oh, but it was nothing after all. But along the way, we've learned to love. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, you could do something interesting as well where like where all the pieces that they found together fit in a way that's entirely different from what they thought it was. (laughs) So like they find a missing conspiracy and it turns out that the actual conspiracy was a different one all along. (laughs) We've been talking like it's a conspiracy that is missing. So what if we flip the parts of speech so that it's a missing conspiracy? Oh, a conspiracy about something being missing? Yes. Something or perhaps lots of somethings. Maybe the chickens are disappearing one by one. They're all in someone's South Bronx apartment. (laughs) (laughs) They're missing just their beaks. Oh, no. Oh, that's that's oh that's horror right there. Just I'm visualizing that, and that's awful. Ah. That brings out the frantic right away. Yes. <laughs> ah. Okay, let's make this less gruesome by saying that the conspiracy <laughs> is these magic mirrors, and when they look in the mirror, they see that their beaks are gone, but they're not really. Oh. <laughs> so yeah. So are we talking that the that all mirrors are now like alternate dimension portals to the world where chickens have no beaks? I don't know. (laughs) I mean, I just said it. I have no idea what I'm saying. (laughs) That is, that is the crux of this podcast right here. That is every episode. I, you know, what's bothering me. It's not not the conspiracy. What's bothering me is a lack of a character arc. And I know I shouldn't probably be ascribing that kind of prestige to this premise, that's why I was kind of leaning into some kind of like chosen one chicken who is, yeah, or maybe, yeah. or if we're leaning into fear and conspiracy, like maybe more of a leader. I, th- I think the main character has to be the, the ubiquitous her who has the South Bronx apartment. <gasps> and the conspiracy is in the leader's apartment all along. And either they knew about it or they didn't. I don't know which one is more <laughs> It would come down to those two dice. It would. <laughs> Or, see, here's the other thing. What if she isn't part of the the her, isn't part of the chickens at all? What if they're, maybe she's hiding the conspiracy on purpose. Maybe our main character is hiding the conspiracy and the chickens are after it. Maybe the main character is doing that because she's the only one that knows it's not a big deal. It's not a conspiracy, but there's some evidence that makes it look like one that everybody's freaking out about. And then, and so this character... Yeah, this character's like, you need to settle down, but wait a minute, here's some incriminating evidence that, and then so hides it away. But But yeah, I think, I think the chickens are the antagonists. To me, this feels like an ongoing cartoon series where every episode, (laughs) the chickens find something that they think is this big conspiracy and, and they start wrapping everybody up into a frenzy about this. And she's trying to come up with other, maybe, uh, maybe weird mystical answers that will satisfy them. That's what I'm getting sort of like wacky cartoon interplay between the chickens who always are about on the verge of destroying her work and spiraling it out of control and her constantly trying to come up with theories that will satisfy them for the weird things they're noticing. I was going to say, I think you're right, it's the series. But the thing is, so series these days, you know, it used to be that you could get away with every story being the same one over and over again. And nowadays there's more serialization. So what's the yeah. arc over a season? Is it is it the arc. character mm. realizing that she either does or does not have to take this kind of responsibility? Or is it more like um, a story about letting go and letting people be independent and freak out if they want to? 
Maybe the title is going to help us. Our title is A Mansion Haunted by a Young Demon. Oh, gosh. Okay. <laughs> so she is a demon. Is she, Already. Is she the, she's the demon, yes? Or the keeper of the demon. And people are starting to figure out that there's a conspiracy. And um, But where? Did, how is it missing now? No, no, the, the demon gets lost. So there's a conspiracy that people have been trying to, to keep under wraps because the there demon? is a demon in this house. But then the demon's not there anymore. And so maybe there's a, a small group and then they go out into the world to try to catch this demon while it's randomly causing havoc out in the world. And, and, and they, they, they just barely catch up with the demon and they come up with these explanations. Oh, oh, oh no, um, that was me sneezing a lot. That's why there's all this goo on the wall. I love the idea of her being the demon and that maybe she's maybe the spirit the conspiracy the big thing she's trying to do is she's trying to she's trapped here in the mansion she's trying to get out she's doing all these rituals to try to get herself out of here the chickens find her and i love the idea of her having all these chicken minions magical chicken minions but also i love the idea of her having all these magical powers and not really being able to use any of them the way that she wants to because she has to keep things looking normal for the chickens (laughs) and has to find like (laughs) has to find non-supernatural explanations for everything that's going on but it keeps malfunctioning sometimes so she has to cover for supernatural mistakes (laughs) yes so a few a few episodes like this in she gets sick of it and decides the only thing she can do is run away and then all her helpers realize hey missing conspiracy where where is she search all over the world chasing these other phenomena on that have nothing to do with her and realizing oh no you're a fake you're a hoax whatever and finally realizing oh yeah she's just in her closet back home i love that it's just it just like i love this long section in the middle where it just becomes chicken paranormal hunting <laughs> like, sure why not oh i like, love it okay so so if act one is the demon trying to leave the mansion and keeping the chickens calm and act two is she finally gets out of the mansion and the chickens are trying to find her what's act three finding the demon and convincing her convincing her that running away isn't the answer because you can't run away from your problems you just have to figure out how to control it and there has to be some kind of way that the demon is changed in the end right so able to control the powers or able to give them up or something like that or maybe maybe they just mutually find a way to channel that into a constructive way like a magic show and nobody nobody knows how this magic is done because it's actually real <laughs> i was wondering if act three is yeah is is uh you know she's she's run away she's given up on trying to return home but then something from her past another demon shows up and like decides to oh yeah. the world or something and she sure. and the chickens have to work together now yes to, she fills them in she's like they're very perceptive <laughs> so so she's like you would you are the only ones who know about this you are the only ones who i can trust to help me defeat this character and so the th- third act is the two of our two protagonists against each other coming together to fight the bigger evil so correct me if i'm wrong because the last 20 minutes have been rather bewildering did we just come <laughs> up with about six different ways to tell a story about chickens searching for a missing, missing conspiracy Yep, we absolutely okay. did. And, I understand uh, how this podcast Eddie... works now. That is yeah. the beauty of this podcast. <laughs> that is, oh no, that is that is my favorite thing about it. That we end up with several different routes that all conceivably could turn into something. Yeah. So, so uh, I, should I announce the next bot tournament where um, every night we get a different chicken story? Yes. <laughs> I want to. I want to see all the all the the ways you have to figure out to differentiate the pictures of the chickens. Because <laughs> I am, if you give me ten chickens, I might be able to differentiate like three of one, them. No, one one is a real chicken. One is like foghorn leghorn, and uh, yeah. You know. <laughs> 
One is holding an apple. (laughs) (laughs) So this is a cartoon series or a picture book. Pop-up book. We'll do pop-up book. Pop-up book. Oh my gosh. Yes. You haven't done that yet on this, have you? <laughs> we have not. We have not done a pop-up book. What's What's surprising, though, is I can see it in this case. I can see, like, this children's pop-up book series oh, where, I don't know like, you children. open it up and then there's yeah. chickens <laughs> and then, like, a ghost pops out of a closet, you know, or what? <laughs> what's a paranormal house. <laughs> <laughs> it, it would be brilliant. That feels almost, like, as a pop-up book, it feels more like, um more Scooby-Doo-esque, where, like, yeah, it's bit, just, it's chickens wandering around and things pop out at them, and then at the end they're like, oh, it was just the demon who lives in the house. <laughs> but I would have gotten away for it, for, with it, too, if it hadn't been for you pesky chickens. I I love, I love this weird supernatural element and the conspiracy element, because there are so many ways that you could flip the supernatural explanations for mundane things or mundane explanations for supernatural things and play with those tropes just back and forth over and over again and finding new ways to to mess with that yeah i definitely wouldn't um if this were me writing it and by the way it's not um (laughs) this is not your your novel not my next novel though uh but um but if i were writing it i would definitely want to do that i would want to turn everything backwards and um, I love twists, so I'd, I'd want to either mm-hmm. make a twist that, oh, no, it's not what you thought it was, or maybe it is after all, but I'd want to do something where um, I, I like, I love genre. This is getting a little more serious now. I love genre, but I also love kind of turning it around because genres bring a certain expect set of expectations. And we just talked yes. about cartoons. We just talked about, you know, um, uh, kind of horror comedies and stuff. And I would want to find the things that aren't done in those and then surprise you with them. Well, and that's like, if you're doing, if this was like a, you know, a cartoon network series where, you know, you have these little like 15 minute episodes, you could absolutely play with so many different horror tropes and conspiracy movie tropes. And, and each, you know, almost like the, there's that episode of community where they go through the, all, everybody has their own horror story and they're all within a different genre of horror. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. the, The potential for parody is almost endless here with all the chickens. You could do, I like the conspiracy one too, because some of my favorite movies would be like Three Days of the Condor and yeah. you know, all those sorts of things. You could you could ease off once in a while on the horror stuff and just kind of replay those kinds of stories too. There's actually a lot here. Why am I saying this? It's a story about chickens. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I think that's what it is. I think it's a it's a it's a a cartoon show with this wacky premise that then once it gets into it, starts actually playing with genre and playing uh, with expectations. And I think that could be really entertaining and really oh interesting. This podcast has broken me. <laughs> <laughs> you finally did it. <laughs> oh, oh my gosh! Um, there's lots. There's lots to add to this. There is lots. Uh, draw, write this, draw this, animate this for us. Um, pop up <laughs> as book, always, please. Pop up book. As always, if you do write anything based on this episode, feel free to send it to us or send us a snippet of it. We'll be happy to read it on the podcast, post it on our blog. Uh, we'd love for other people to see where you've taken these stories. As always, we like to close out our podcast by shouting out a story that we want other people to check out. So today, my story that I'm going to recommend is an old favorite. I'm going to recommend, uh, in the vein of wacky comedy, the movie The Court Jester. 
This is a movie from the 1950s. I grew up with it. It's a Danny Kaye vehicle. The premise is that it's a, a resistance fighter trying to get the true king on the throne in medieval England, medieval Europe. And he ends up impersonating the king's jester to be able to sneak in and uh, do what he needs to do to unseat the monarchy. And it's all kinds of uh, multiple plots coming together. There are conspiracies. <laughs> there are, uh, he is a chicken <laughs> um, in, in the metaphorical sense. So it seems very connected <laughs> to this. Um, it's one of my absolute favorites. It is available on Amazon Prime just recently on Prime Video. And so it is one of my go-to feel-good movies anytime I need a little pick-me-up. So I highly recommend it, The Court Jester. That is an amazing movie. I have to just interject. Um, so yeah. I showed that to my son, who is maybe five at the time. I've never seen him laugh harder at anything it was deafening <laughs> it's so funny and i i've been introducing it to a lot of people you know i wondered for a while if i just loved it because i grew up with it but then i've been introducing other adults to it as well and they're like this was really funny <laughs> this was really enjoyable it's it's a jewel in cinema uh-huh. it really is jenny you are up what story would you like to recommend to our listeners i think i'm going to recommend again an old favorite you know i like to do the old favorites i'm going to recommend the watcher in the woods it is actually a disney film it is is not yet available on Disney Plus. I just checked. I don't know why it's missing from there. But it's one of my first horror films that I ever in- enjoyed. It's mild enough for children to watch, you know, Disney, but it is very intense. It is creepy. It leaves you wondering what the heck is going on through most of them. And even at the end, you don't get all of the answers. Unless, of course, you get the DVD and watch the alternate ending which it's when you do, it's very obvious why they didn't use <laughs> that ending. <laughs> and I won't spoil it, but it's this, it's about this girl and she and her, her parents and her little sister move to this big mansion. You know, of course it's a creepy old mansion with all the ivy and everything. And, and she starts getting haunted and things keep coming up and she finds out there's this history between, you know, the neighbors and a couple of other people in the village and something happened when they were kids and the lady's daughter went missing years and years and years ago. And that's who they think is haunting her. And so trying to figure that out. And it's, it's just one of my favorites from when I was a kid. If you find it anywhere, please go watch it. Pretty great. And if you want to laugh, look up the alternate ending. All right, uh, Sam, what would be a story that you would recommend all our listeners check out from any medium, anytime, anything? So the idea up here would be to come up with something people might not have heard of, right? Um, so in that spirit, why don't I pick something by one of the world's most famous authors and featuring one of the world's most famous fictional characters, right? Yes. (laughs) Okay. Since we talked about Paradise Island, I got to, I got to give a shout out to one of the inspirations there, Agatha Christie and her character, Hercule Poirot. Um, But this is a very specific um, book because if all you know of Poirot is like from the many movies and TV shows, Murder on the Orient Express and so on, which is great as it is, you might be surprised by a book called The Hollow, which is not very well known. It hasn't been adapted very much. And um, and when it is, it's, it's fundamentally altered because uh, Poirot doesn't even show up until the very, very end. And oh. um, actually, Agatha Christie kind of famously said that when he shows up, it ruined the book. Um, she had a kind of a love-hate <laughs> relationship for them, you know. I know what she means, but the thing about The Hollow is that um, well, if you think about a lot of murder mysteries in general, like the characters are puzzle pieces and they fit together and they're not necessarily fully living, breathing human beings. When they are, 
given some life. They're maybe quirky to be interesting, but they're still parts of a puzzle, right? Sure. Um, Agatha Christie, I think, usually rose above that, but she was criticized for that sometimes, along with the other mystery authors of her day. Um, but in The Hollow, they are so well drawn, these other characters that are only appear in this one book. They're so full of thoughts and feelings and self-reflection. They're self-aware. They really think about their independence and their morals and you know their standing in society and things like that. And I wound up caring so much about them that, well, first of all, the murder mysteries really doesn't matter so much except as as sort of a way to get the characters working and interacting. And when Poirot shows up, one of my favorite characters of all time, I didn't really want him to because I think it would be an injustice to have such strong characters have their problems solved by someone else. I think what Christie did was um, amazing because she sort of thread the needle where, where, where she let Poirot do what he does best and still gave the characters the autonomy and the agency they needed to sort out their own problems. So anyway, if you're not really familiar with Poirot or Agatha Christie, you know, don't start there start with death on the Nile or something like that. But, um, Mm -hmm. but if you think you know all about them and, and because you've seen some movies, Go to the hollow and you might find that there's a little bit more to know. All right. So uh, before we go off, first of all, Sam, thank you so much for joining us on this podcast. I'm so excited yes. we got you to come on. Thanks with for us. asking. This is great. Yeah. Um, before we go, anything Yeah, that you want to plug for our listeners, uh, for yourself? Yeah, I mean, we might as well refer people to Rinkworks since we talked about it. R-I-N-K-W-O-R-K-S dot com. Um, it's nothing to do with skating rinks, but that's how it's spelled. It's just a, a name I made up for a website that it, back in the late 90s, I decided to put you know all of my creative energy into. And so there's a bunch of humor and games and discussions about movies and things like that. And also you can, there's a link to buy The Mystery of Paradise Island if you want to do that. I will make sure and include that link in the, in the show description. So you can go over there. If you wander on into the chat room, you might find some of us there. It's true. Well, folks, that is our episode. And as a reminder, you can find us every other Thursday, wherever you get your podcasts. Follow us on Twitter at WriteThisPod. And if you've been inspired by this episode and have questions or comments or a pop-up book or anything else, email us at somebodywritethis at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you. We'll be back with another episode in two weeks. We'll see you then. And as they say... He who goes round the village long enough will either get a dog bite or a dinner. Mm